Good morning. It's time to begin our service. Let's stand together. Put our hands together. church this morning. So good to see everybody. I'm just going to lay this offering plate right here to where everybody can just drop some beautiful, beautiful money in it today because we are doing a great project. We're doing our adoption for Christmas and I'm excited about that. And so here in just a moment, I'm going to take up an offering. When I take up that offering, you're just going to bring it forward and bless the Lord with your offering today. And I promise you, God is going to bless you. I brought my offering just like I sent out in the announcement. I hope that you brought yours. Also, I already had a check handed to me this morning for quite a reasonable amount. So uh, I'm holding $600 in my hand right here. So uh, God's good already before we even hardly get started. And so I know this is going to be a great offering we're buying for four children. Also a partnership to get five. We've also got another project that we've got going on in the church. that We're helping somebody with a situation that they're dealing with right now. And so any extra will go towards that. Everything you use today is going to be local 
Gap Hill Missions, and you're going to be blessing those um, in your church in need. So please be a part of this. Also want to make, make a quick announcement that anyone that's interested in participating in the Gap Hill Choir, please meet in the choir room after service on December the 5th. So go ahead and put that down on your calendar, December the 5th. Also for Operation Christmas Child, thank you to all of those that have already got a box. We stuffed our boxes this week. It's kind of fun, isn't it? So if you, if you don't pack your own box, you're missing a blessing. Let me just tell you, it's so fun sitting there trying to get all that stuff in as much as you can and the lid's still shut. And I promise you, it's going to be amazing for some kid when they open that. These kids that are getting this, they, they don't get anything hardly. So to, to bless them, I promise you, it's going to be a blessing. God's going to bless you for doing it. So thanks to those that have helped. The deadline will be next Sunday, and that is the 21st, all right? And also, we have, of course, the Adopted Kids Christmas, which we're going to do here in just a moment. I do want to, Sandra, just play me something soft here for just a minute, and then I'll let you go ahead and play our next song leading in as we take up the offering. I do want to make a few announcements, and, um, and I'll tell you all, go ahead. See, I already got people bringing it. Praise the Lord. They're ready to give. Amen. Thank you all. Uh, we got Bonnie Moody, who needs our continued prayers today. She's been in a lot of pain this week, needs healing, so let's pray for Bonnie this week when we pray. Also for Miss Ada Eads, I spoke with her this week. She's improving from her surgery. She probably would have tried to be here today if somebody wanted to stop her from coming, all right? But she will. She's already told me. She's planning on being here next week. So we thank God for that. Uh, Ada's, what, maybe 91 now? 91, I think that surgeon told her that was the oldest um, person he's ever done surgery on. So, so Ada's going to be here hopefully next Sunday. So continue prayers for her as she's had some pain as well. Also, let's remember those that have lost loved ones recently. We've got numerous ones in the church that have lost loved ones. Our prayers and thoughts go out to you today as well. We want to continue praying for our church body that God would be with them. Father, we thank you for your blessing today. We pray for all these requests that you would bless, that you would minister to every need. For those that need healing, Father, we speak healing over them today. For those that are dealing with pain, we know that you are their great physician. We are asking you to do what only you can do. Touch them. Minister to them. Let your Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. And Father, we pray today for those during the holiday seasons. As Thanksgiving comes around, Christmas rolls around, a time of family and friends. I'm asking you to be with our church family, those that have lost loved ones during this, this uh, dreaded season, really, Father. For many of them, it would be the first time that they've had Thanksgiving or Christmas without loved ones, I'm asking you to be with them today, and we continue to bless them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for those that have given already for Operation Christmas. I know you're going to bless them today as we give our offering for the adopted uh, children that we've adopted for Christmas as a church family. I'm asking you, Father, that you would bless us today as we give, because your word promised that you would. Father, let this service bring glory and honor to you. Jesus' name, amen. All right, Sandra, you can go ahead and start playing the next song. If you would, go ahead and just bring your offering. And I'm Pastor Brian to start singing here in a moment.
Lord, praise for the offering that was given this morning. Lord, we thank you now for that and what you're going to do for this offering. We thank you, Lord. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. And for His good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. church lift your hands and honor his presence he said where two or three are gathered in his name he would be in the midst it's not a question it's not something we have to fight to happen he said it would happen are you here in his name Lord we bless you we magnify you dependent upon your presence Lord we lift you we glorify you speak his name church sweet Jesus hallelujah speak his name Jesus we lift you up we magnify you. 
Lord, we tear down the strongholds now in this place. We come against anything that would cause a hindrance, Lord. And we bless you, Lord Jesus, that your name be glorified. We lift you up. Hallelujah. 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 And you say that. Hallelujah. 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 I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me.
Let's go to the sermon this morning. Go ahead and put the text up, Chevy. Let's get right into it. You know, I, I was accused many years ago of being an evangelist instead of a pastor. And I think they said it because of my preaching style. And because uh, evangelists are supposed to be pretty hyped up and stuff like that. But um, I said, why can't I just be both of them? I, want to be a, I can be a pastor and an evangelist. Or a pastor with an evangelical message. What's wrong with that, right? But today I'm going to deal with the topic that is not, I guess, as much evangelical um, as um, I normally am. Today we're kind of going pastory on you. Is that okay? Can I be pastory today? Brian said I could try. I heard that. <laughs> Why are people constantly complaining about the church? 
Why are people in general today? And Siri said she doesn't understand. I don't care if she does or not. Praise the Lord. Why are people... Now, I'm talking about in general. I'm, I'm not just talking about our church in particular. I'm not just saying Gap Hill or Ho, uh, Church of God or Holiness or the Baptist Church in here. I'm not talking about one particular church. I'm talking about why do people in general talk negative about the church? Somewhere down the line, we have created a negative stigma that when people think of church, their mind automatically goes negative. Does anybody know anybody like that? I have talked to some recently, recently in ministering what we'll call on the streets or just out and about, just talking to people in random conversation. And the one thing that I've heard more times than I even care to know is the fact that they're all saying the same thing. And that is that the church hurt them or the church has caused them to not want to go to church. To which our response is always the same. Our response is, listen here, what you're doing is focusing too much on the hypocrites. And if you look for hypocrites, you're going to find them in the church. That's what makes a hypocrite a hypocrite. Is coming to church and trying to act like a Christian. But they're really just wolves in sheep's clothing. And they masquerade behind the mask of, I went to church last Sunday. But their heart's not right with God, right? That is where you find people like that is in the church. But I want to get us to understand something today. I'm finding that I've been in church ever since before I was born. I am John the Baptist in the womb flipping as mama runs around the church. That is who I am, all right? I know what it is to be raised in church. I can tell you some of the funniest jokes that happen in church that you wouldn't believe today. I could tell you some of the most disgusting things that would make some of you think, my goodness, I don't even want to come to church. I've been around church for a long time. I have, in fact, seen the good of the church, and there's a lot of it. I have seen the positive of the church, and there's a lot of it. But I have also seen the negative and the low-down, dirty blows that people give right in the middle of what we call God's house. And so today I want us to deal with the fact that the reason so many people don't come to church is because some of the hardest people to get along with sometimes are church folks. And some of the most differential people are different, always indifferent or wanting to, to argue or complain or fuss, oftentimes it falls in our lap as church people. And I want to tell you today from pastorish standpoint, that is not what Gap Hill Church is about. That is not the culture we are building. That is not the culture that we want. What we want is an inviting culture that tells people, if you want to be loved, you go to that church. If you want to be a part of something great, you go to that church. And so today, I want to deal with the topic that is going to convict every one of us in this building today. And that is not something that I said, but the words of Jesus, where he said, do to others as you would have them do to you. 
That's Luke 6.31. That's my text. That's my title. Do to others as you would have them do to you. One of the best kept secrets of success is a rule that we know as the golden rule. The golden rule is do to others as you would have them do to you. Jesus said in everything, all of life's aspects. He said that this rule would sum up the law and the prophets. John Locke observed that the golden rule lies at the heart of any society. And I quote, he said, it is the most unshakable rule of morality and the foundation of social virtue. So in other words, it is the basis of human rights where we have equal concern for everyone. It's not just those of a certain social group. It is not just those of a certain national group. It is not only a certain color or ethnic group. But it is absolutely human rights and equal concern for everybody. It is not whether you have money or whether you don't have money. It is not whether you look like you just came from church or you look like you just came from the bar. It is not about that. God says when it comes to my kingdom... There is going to be a lot of diversity that is going to come out of the kingdom of God. Can, do, you know, do you know that heaven's going to look crazy? Can you even imagine what it's going to look like in heaven? We build churches that look just like us and we never reach outside of our own sphere of people. And that's why when you go to church, we have a stigma that we have the same type people coming to our church. But that is not what God's church looks like. God's church is supposed to look radically different. God's church is supposed to be made up of different social classes. God's church is supposed to be made up of different colors and ethnic backgrounds. God's church is supposed to look very diverse. We may have a culture shock when we get to heaven and look around at everybody that's in heaven. Because they're going to look a lot different than we did. So God is trying, Jesus in his words is trying to get us to understand this fact. That there is an issue going on in the world when we start trying to section off people or get our own groups together. So the golden rule, it isn't how much you speak in tongues. The golden rule is not how spiritual you may appear. The golden rule, or is somebody with me today? The golden rule is none of those things. As a matter of fact, now please, the golden rule is not paying your tithes. Now please understand me. All of the things that I mentioned are important. All of them have a place in the church. Man, I can shout with the best of them. I can rejoice with the best. All of these have a place in the church. But they are not the golden rule of the church. The golden rule of the church is due to others as you'd have them do to you. So see, my problem is that I grew up with people that would shout and their hair hit the ceiling fan in the church, but they were the most ungodly people in this sense that I've ever met. Because they would be the first people to look down at you, to judge you, because you look different than they do, and there's no way that God can be in your heart. Because God is only in people like my heart. Now, now I, want, I want to take my time here today because real relationship, real spirituality rather, boils down to the relationships that we build with one another. Now, I want to read Matthew 22 to you and give you the command that God gives us. Now, this is pretty powerful stuff. This is Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind. That is every part of your being. And I could go into each one, but I don't have time. So he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. The first thing you need to worry about is being in love with Jesus. If you are not in love with Jesus, there's an issue. You've got to fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, it doesn't matter what people say about you, what people think about you. At the end of the day, as long as I know that my heart is right with God, I don't care about what everybody says. Woo! Pastor's just on a roll today. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Somebody say, shake that bush again. I mean, that's what they used to say in church when it got like this. Somebody in the back would holler, right? (laughs) So the first thing is, do I have a right relationship with God? Now, once I have a right relationship with God, that's first and foremost. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, that right there is powerful. If I was preaching a revival and that was my text and I said, this is a sermon tonight, half the congregation would leave. Because they ain't nobody wanting to hear this sermon. They ain't nobody that's like, praise God, I can't wait to leave. I'm going to love the mess out of people. Nobody, but he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Get your Bible. You can hold it in the air from Genesis to Revelation. He said, I can sum it up in this fact. If a person would fall in love with Jesus and then if they would love one another like they love themselves, my goodness, you can close the book. That's all you need to do. The rest is going to fall into place. It is the nut in the nutshell. It is the hinge that holds the door on up. It is the motor that makes the car drive. And without it, there's a problem. There's a problem without those things. So, so often we as church folks, we really do good at one of them. We fail at the other. So we try to act like we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, spirit. We're sold out to Jesus But then we treat people less than ourselves. If that's the case, we have missed the mark. So I want to give you three points. Number one, interpreting the golden rule. There are different ways that people would say they understand the golden rule. And I'm going to give you three of them. The first one is what we'll call the give and take interpretation of the golden rule. If I were to write that into a scripture, this is what it would sound like. Do no more or no less than what others do for you or to you. Everybody got that? Do no more or less than what others do for you or to you. Now, if we look at this, do you know what? This is a misinterpretation of the golden rule. Can somebody say bonk? I mean, (laughs) it's wrong, right? The wrong answer. Bonk. This is not right. Give and take. What give and take is what we would call a 50 50 relationship, right? That's what we talk about marriage is a 50-50. Well, does that sound... It sounds fair, right? 50-50. But God said there's people in this world that are hurting and they don't know the love of God yet. You know the love of God. So you can't expect people that have not yet fell in love with Jesus to the fullest extent to understand the second part of the greatest commandment. That's the church's job. 
That's our job. To show them I fell in love with Jesus. And man I can love you too. And this is where we miss the mark right here. Because they can't give back to us. So we take and take and take. And never give. But God says this is the way it works. When you see people in the world hurting. You do not look at them as an object or a thing. And say how can they help me in my life. No, no, no. That's not the golden rule. If they could do something for me, I would do something for them. Secondly, there's the pure take interpretation. This is for the selfish group. Do unto others before they do unto you, or so they'll do unto you. This is when you look out for a return on your investment. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been in church a long time. We're good at this. Well, can I say it this way? I'm going to give it to you, but I expect something in return. It is that mentality. This isn't the golden rule. It's another monk. Because what this means is I gave to you, now you owe me. Or, Or either we hold it over their head... And then when we get the talking one day, and it's not going their way and something they want, they say, well, do do you remember when I did this for you? Anybody ever been there before? Got thrown back in your face? This is that pure take. And God says that's not the way it is. Do you know what the right way of the golden rule is? It is called the pure give interpretation. He gives us the correct statement when he says in Luke 6.38, he said, give, give. That is the answer. Just give. Give yourself to people. Give yourself in love to others that are hurting. Give yourself in an offering like we did this morning. Just give, 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 and it will be given to you. Don't worry about somebody else having to bless you or give back when you've given everything. That's God's job. He said, you just give. I'll press it down. I'll shake it together. I'll make it run over. It's going to be poured right into your lap. Has anybody ever heard the the phrase when you say, man, it just fell right in my lap? Anybody ever heard? That's the way God says these blessings are going to be to those that give purely. To those that give them themselves with no, nothing, no strings attached, no give me back. No, no, no. It is purely a giving mythology. This is all that they're doing. It will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you get a quarter cup and empty it out, a quarter cup's all you're getting back. But if you'll get a bucket and you pour the bucket out, I mean you're going to get it. I'm telling you, God says as much as you give, I'm going to give back to you. It means freely, unconditionally, without any expectation of return. And he said if you do this, if you give for the sake of giving, just because you love God and because you love other people you pour into them he says if you do that according to Malachi 3.10 God is going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing he said there will not be room enough for you to be able to contain it listen test God in your giving and when we start talking about giving people automatically go to money but God 
likes giving in other ways too. It's giving of your time. It's on a Thursday when I go see a little kid down there at R.C. Edwards and I spend time eating lunch with him. That's giving of my time. But I sit there and I'm pouring into him everything that I can because I want to see something happen in his life for good. I don't go because I get paid for it. I don't go, I mean, I don't care if the YMCA calls me today and says, hey, we want to help you out on your gas money. I don't care about gas money because that's not why I'm doing it. I mean, if they call me and say, we're going to give you $100 a week to do this, I don't want your money. The money's not what I'm in this for. I am in it because I want to give to Him. I want to pour out of me. I want to give all of me. God help us as church folks. We have experienced the greatest gift that God has ever given to man. We have been given Jesus Christ, His Son, died on a cross, shed His blood, forgave us of our sins. How in the world can we hold this inside of us without giving it to somebody freely? What is it about the church? And we say, my God, look at what God has done for me. I want to see God do that in your life. Do you know what would get some of us on fire? If you would witness to somebody, pour into their lives, and they tell you that the church is nothing but a place that they beg for money, the church is nowhere but a place that they talk about people and they're a bunch of hypocrites, and you get them to church and see them come to an altar, tears rolling down their face, and you watch God change their life, that'll set you on fire, bless God. See, the problem with the church is we don't have enough soul winning. We want revival. We want excitement. There is nothing more exciting than seeing people come to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that right now. You talk about a revival, and I'm not talking about just for, I'm talking about a personal revival. When you see somebody that you pour into and give of your time and give of yourself, and you see them come to church, and their life is changed before your eyes. They didn't think anybody would accept them because of the way they were, but all of a sudden, everybody did accept them. My goodness, that'll start revival in you. There's this guy named J.C. Penney. Anybody ever heard of him? He started at his store. It was called the Golden Rule Store. As a matter of fact, it was said in history that the first two stores that he opened were called, not J.C. Penney, but was called the Golden Rule Stores. James Cash Penny. That's right. His mama wanted him to make some money, so I can say, James, you're going to have cash and you're going to have pennies, right? J.C. Penney. James Cash Penny started with a general store in Wyoming in 1902. From that, he would build a multi-billion dollar business empire on what he said was the golden rule of Jesus Christ. His motto and what he taught all of those that worked under him was this, that you are to treat customers the way you want to be treated. And that's why when you look at, go to JCPenney, instead of them being called employees, what are they called? Does anybody remember? I know some of them have been shutting down lately. James died, all right, let's put it that way, James died. Now they're known as associates. It's as if he wanted his workers to feel like they were on equal ground with him. We're doing the same job. We're loving people the same way. We're going to be good to people just like they want us to be. And he used the term associates. He treated them that way. He died in the year 1971. 
When he died, he had already, and this is a lot of money in 1971, he had already recorded some $4.2 billion in sales, was the fifth largest department store in America, had over 1,700 stores at the time. The Golden Rule Stores. It works, folks. Can I say it this way? Just so everybody can understand, for those that didn't, that you forgot your extra cup of coffee this morning. If, if the golden rule can grow a business, don't you think it could grow a church? I mean, where did the golden rule come from? It wasn't some Steve Jobs from Apple that had this bright idea and said, I'm going to come up with it. This came from the word of Almighty God. The message that he gave the church. This was not a business model that God gave so that Apple could prosper. This is not something God gave Google because he wanted them to have more money. God gave this to the church a long time ago and said if you would just learn to love everybody and if you would learn to do to others just like you want to be done to, your church will succeed and grow in every way, shape, and form. So we interpret the golden rule. We apply the golden rule. See, the thing about it is that interpreting the golden rule is no good until we actually apply the golden rule. I'm going to give you four simple applications. You treat others the way you Want to be treated, right? You want to be treated. I mean, how many of you want to be cussed out today because you spill tea on somebody while you're serving it to them? Anybody in here want to want to get that today? Anybody? Well, I mean, you just want to get cussed out. I mean, I'm being serious. Does, any, does, anybody, does anybody want to shoot somebody the bird going down the road because they drove too close on your tailgate? I mean, anybody want that today? No, because you're going to scream and holler and mash your gas and have to repent before the end of the day anyhow. Right? I mean, who wants that? So God says, let's keep this thing simple. Let's not complicate it. Let's just keep it simple. If you would just treat people the way you want to be treated. Number two, don't treat others in ways you do not want to be treated. Three, treat others in ways you know they want to be treated. That means respect for one another. Do not treat others in ways you know they do not want to be treated in. In short, we could say it this way if we were applying the golden rule. If we could just try to put ourselves in other people's shoes, we would begin to understand why they are the way they are. There's kids today that are broken. You know why? Many of them came from a broken home. Statistically, it has been proven time and time and time and time. And I could pull it up and show you and we could print off thousands upon thousands of research peer-reviewed papers that will prove to us that kids that have been mistreated in the home, they degradate and they hurt society more than they help it. As a matter of fact, many of them, they end up doing the same things to their children. Come on, somebody. That was done to them. But see, the problem that I have, and the problem that we have sometimes, is that all we see is the outside of a person. We never take the time to know what's going on inside of them. And that is the failure of the church. This is where relationship is the most important thing you can ever do to win people to Jesus Christ. We see the outside, and we automatically think to ourselves, this person is not a Christian. How do you know that? How do you know that? 
Is it their hair? Is it? Their hair's dyed green. Are you serious? That's what it was. Is that what it really is? They've got a tattoo across their neck. Seriously, is, is that, does that mean they're not saved? I mean, what, what's the prerequisite? What do we look at? I mean, how do we know? Or, or is everybody still with me today? This is good pastor preaching right here. I'm telling you, it's good for us. Because we all walk around and we all have been there and we do live in a wicked world. We live in a vile world and we know that when we see a person that looks a certain way, we grab our kid and put him under our jacket and hide him, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get over here, girl. Come here, come here. Get you away from these wicked, vile people. We automatically have this sense that once we see it, it is what it has to be. But what God is trying to get us to understand is what you see may not be reality. You may see something on the outside, but you can't see what's on the inside. Now, 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 don't everybody get too spiritual on me because Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those that were over the religious time of that day, and he said to them, you appear on the outside that you've got it together. You've got your suit coat, you've got your necktie, you've got your dress shoe, you've got everything just right. So you're comfortable, Right? You're comfortable around this person. Oh, these people, surely look at them. Man, God's all over them. Let me tell you something. We've got to get out of that mindset. That is not what Jesus Christ has called the church to be. Because what Jesus saw in the Pharisees is something we could not see. He said on the outside, everything looks tidy. You look good. You look spiritual. You look religious. But on the inside, you are full of dead men's bones. There is no love of God inside of you. All you're doing is going through the motions you don't even know who I am see there's a problem with that but then God looks at people and he sees the inside and he understands why people are the way they are and he understands see this is where God knows things I don't because God knows where you were raised God knows what your zip code was. God knows what you've been through. He knows who your parents were. He knows what you've dealt with. He knows the loss that you've encountered. And today, yes, you may look broken. And today you may look shattered. But let me tell you something. The love of God mended all of that. The love of God can change all of that. And he whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Now that God has set you free, I beg you and I admonish you it's time for us to go out and find somebody else that's bound it's time for us to find somebody else that's hurting and say let me show you about a man named Jesus a love of God it's still real the church still loves the church still cares it's not just a bunch of hypocrites that go there the only way that we can really get this message out is by showing it we can preach it we can talk about it so we have what we call action steps. This is the rule that is not passive. The rule that Jesus gave us is proactive. That means we jump in the action. What should we do? What should we set in motion to create a cycle of grace even for those that may not be as tidy as our lives seem to be? Jesus gave us the golden rule. Now I want to read something to you and then I'm going to make a few comments. Go to Luke chapter 6, 27. 
Now, these scriptures, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. It's kind of like on TV. I was watching news the other day, and they're like, up, warning, maybe some graphic images. I'm going to go ahead and give you a warning. These are hard to digest, all right? But to you who are listening, oh, God, how did he know it over 2,000 years ago? (laughs) He's talking to you. If you're listening today, he's talking to you. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. See, I'm about to show y'all what a true Christian looks like. I am about to differentiate us from hypocrites. I am about to show you the love of God in action. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Is everybody still here? So if you go to church, you get in your clique, and you're good to your people. He says, even sinners love those who love them. Mm. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that? You even sinners do that. Verse 34, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, which credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid full, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then, did everybody hear that? Then your reward will be great and you will be the children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful. He's even kind to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful remember where you came from remember where you were do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven I'm going to read it again give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together running over poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Let me go through this really quick. Love your enemies as well as those who can return your love. Number two, do good to those who hate you. Look at Romans 12. This is my last scripture. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Watch this. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I need somebody to understand something. Our job is not to get people back. Our job is to be good to people. Our job is to love people. Right? God's job is vengeance. So God said, you go get a meal if you have to, if they're hungry, and you hand it to your enemy. Don't expect anything. Keep your heart right. He says, and then conviction's going to hit them so hard, it's going to be like hot coals going on their head. They're going to feel bad because of the way they've mistreated you. And you just keep showing the love of God. It's the moment that Jesus Christ is on the cross and there's this guy that's standing there and says, Surely this man that I've beaten, surely this man that I've spit on, surely he is the Son of God. Why did he do that? Because Jesus loved, loved, loved. 
before it was over, he felt bad that he had even participated in crucifying Jesus. Mm. Bless those who curse you. Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and death. Speak life into people. Pray for those who mistreat you. According to Luke 18, 1. Jesus on the cross, as I just stated, he shows the love of God. Instead of bringing judgment on them, which he could have done, he did not. He said, turn the other cheek, even if you know Taekwondo, right? Just choose your actions and don't react to others. Choose to do the right thing. Choose to be the bigger person. Do not demand things back. Expect to take losses in life. People are going to get over on you. You might as well get used to it. But you love them anyhow. You lend without expecting to get anything back. Do not judge forming an opinion without knowing somebody or condemn others. You are not in God's place. Praise the Lord. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. There is a difference in telling people the Bible. There is a difference in preaching the truth and judging people. When you tell somebody what thus saith the Lord, they can use that, oh, you don't judge me, all they want. God has already said it. God is the judge. He's already done the final judgment right here in the Word. So when you tell people truth, don't mistake that. That's not judgment. Judgment is when you don't give them a chance and you look at them and you judge them as they're somebody and maybe they're not the person you think they are. And you give up on them before you even start. I heard a statement a long time ago. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven that you didn't expect to be there. And there's going to be a lot of people you expected to be there that when you look around, you ain't going to be able to find them. Number nine, forgive and you will be forgiven. The only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus ever commented on is the words, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. For he told us, he said, forgive others and I'll forgive you. But if you won't forgive others, he said, I will not forgive you. Give and it will be given to you. Sometimes we drain our relationships dry by demanding too much, taking too much. We should rather try to outgive each other. And then we would receive a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, falling in our laps. What would happen? It's kind of like when you were dating. Yeah, do y'all remember the, the, some of you when you were dating, you didn't even have a phone. Oh, that was a good one. Y'all should laugh there. Anyhow. After the phone had come out, and I'm closing in two minutes. I know y'all have had enough of this. I have too. When we were growing up, and I remember, like, Jennifer and I would be on the phone, uh, I love you. Love you too. Love you more. I love you more. Anybody remember those days? Somebody said, I never do that. Whatever, y'all are weird. I love you. I love you more. No, 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 I love you more. It, it was almost like all you trying to do is you're just trying to outlove each other. Right? I love you more. I, love you. I would to God that we in the church could get that same mentality. I want to see who can outlove the most people. I want to see who will love people to death. I'm, maybe we need to start having a nicest member award or something. I don't know. 
Maybe we need to start having a I came to church just because of Scott Stone Award. I don't know. But God help us to love people to death. Because this world doesn't love them, folks. The devil doesn't love them. The only hope for the world is that the church will love them. And show them that Jesus... Do you know how I know Jesus is real today? Because of the love of God that's in my heart. And some people can't believe in Jesus because they can't believe in most of the church people they've been around. Boy, that will preach, but I've got to stop. What I'm telling you is the best way you can show people that Jesus exists is by the love of God that's flowing out of you to them. They have to feel it. They can't deny it. It is an agape love. It is a love like nobody's ever known before. It is a love that my wife can't give me. It is a love that my children will never bring to me. It is a love that only God can give. And when He pours it on me, it is so overwhelming that I cry. It is so overwhelming my soul cannot handle it. This mortal cannot take it. When God begins to dump His love on me, man, when God's love gets in you, you know God is real. You know Jesus is real. Because of the love of God. Man, I... I, Jonestown, Pennsylvania, July of 1977, 68 people died. Did you know the, it was a flood that happened? Many of them died from that, but they sent flood relief from a church known as the Young Knack Presbyterian Church, pastored by, I hope I get his name right, Dr. Han Kuyong Chink in Seoul, Korea. The church started with 27 refugees in 1945. At one point, it had over 60,000 members. So what connects C.O. Korea to Jonestown, Pennsylvania? Well, what you have to understand is Dr. Hahn had actually been a student in the United States. And he remembered what the victims there in Jonestown, Pennsylvania, that when he was a student in the States, he talked about how they loved him so much, they encouraged him so much, helped him so much. And even though he was all the way across the world, across the water, they were the first group to send help to those people. All because of the love of God that they had shown him when he was a student. It is a simple yet a profound statement of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do to others, place Sandra, I'm closing. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I say to our church today, as I play um, more of a pastor role rather than evangelistic. I want us to understand something. Let us make this our culture. Do you understand what culture is? Culture means who you are. Right? It is what embodies you. It is when people identify you. They identify you based on the culture that you have developed in that place. Right? Chick-fil-A has a culture. That culture is, it's my pleasure to serve you. That's why every one of them that you hear, they're like, my pleasure, my pleasure. Do you know why? It is the culture. It has been ingrained in them. If you are going to be part of this operation, 
you are going to let people know that you're glad to assist them. You're glad to help them. And I would to God that we as a church could grab that same mentality and say this is our culture. This is who we are. If you come to this church, you are not going to be judged. If you come to this church, we are not just going to look at you and try to figure out whether you got everything together or not. When you come to this church, you are going to feel the love of Jesus Christ. You are going to know that people in this building were glad to see you and they are there to help you however they can. And if we can't be that church, then I don't want to be a part of that church. Because this is the church that God has called us to be. And I'm of the belief that when you get this model down pat, that your church can literally bust out of the seams. Friendly, inviting, loving, caring, concerned. I'm going to say it this way. Because I wrote myself a little note. I do notes for myself. And I wrote it in big letters and I underlined it. I put, I refuse for our church to be the excuse for why someone doesn't go to church. That's powerful. I refuse to allow our church to be the excuse for what? Because sure, maybe they can use it for nothing, not for this church. I want to love people to Jesus Christ. I want them to know that this is an inviting environment. I want them to know that when they come here, they're a part of something greater than themselves. How many of you in this church want to be that person? How many of you in this church leave this place with the challenge and say this week I am going to do to others as I would have them do to me. I am going to love somebody to Jesus. Is there anybody in this building that can say amen? Let's stand. I'm closing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, today I thank you. Lord, I'm asking you. Oh, God. Sometimes we've been in church so long. We've been saved for so long. We've just kind of got our own ways established, the way we do things. But, Father, I'm asking you to break all of that down. I'm asking you to disrupt our lives today. I am asking you to help us that have been saved for so long we can't even hardly remember the night we got saved. I'm asking you to take us back some years, humble us down. Let us remember where we were when you found us. Let us remember what we were doing when you found us. Rather yet, let us remember some of the failures we've made since you found us. We can act perfect all we want. We've got our flaws. We've got our issues. Just like the world's got issues, we've got issues. But there's one thing that I don't want people to be able to say. And that was that we judge them. We look down at them. I am asking you to take us back. Remember who we were. Let us get the love of God to flood our soul again. Let it be so overwhelming for us that we're like a woman at the well that's saying, my God, I got to let this out. I got to tell somebody else the love of God hit me. I need the love of God to change them. If you could just experience what I've experienced, if you would just come see a man like I've seen, man, your life would change forever. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed today. Listen, I challenge you today. I challenge you today. 
If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the love of God, I'm not getting you. I'm not doing any of that. I just want you to lift your hands. And Pastor, just pray for me. Just pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me, Pastor. I want, I want to know who Jesus is. I want to know Jesus in the fullness of his power. Friend, I tell you today, to those that have been hurt by the church, I apologize for that. To those that have been marred, and you can look at me, I'm finished. To those that have been marred by the church, I'm sorry. On behalf of God's church, I am sorry that you have suffered like you have. And I am sorry that people have talked down to you. And I am sorry that people have mistreated you and you felt when you came into God's house that you were lesser of a person than other people were. Because that's not what God's church is about. That's not what God's church is. Jesus, help us today. Stir our hearts. How many of you are ready to love somebody to Jesus? Are you really? Are you really? Are you really? I mean, do you not feel what I'm feeling right now? Because God is saying to me that there are people that are hurting right here in our community. I've talked to some of them. And they are hurting. And they don't know what to do. And they've looked to the world, but the world can't help them. We should know that. We're the only hope of this world. Can we grab that? We are all they have. It's us. It's you and me. God, let us see people through your eyes in Jesus' name. Let us not see objects or people that we can get gain from or that we expect something out in return of our giving. Help us to see people like you see them, Jesus. And all you ever see people through his eyes of love, not judgment. Change our culture. Change our culture to look more like you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you today. May you be blessed.